Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In an open letter to heads of state attending the United Nations General Assembly, the International Chamber of Shipping, ICS, and other industry groups warned of a, quote, global transport system collapse, end quote, if governments do not restore freedoms of movement to transport workers and give them priority to receive vaccines recognized by the World Health Organization. The global supply chains are beginning to buckle as two years' worth of strain on transport workers take their toll. That's part of the letter. And the letter goes on also to say, and it was signed by the International Air Transport Association, the International Road Transport Union, and the International Transport Workers Federation, which together represents 65 million transport workers, goes on to say all transport sectors are also seeing a shortage of workers and expect more to leave as a result of the poor treatment millions have faced during the pandemic, putting the supply chain under greater threats, end quote. Let's talk about this. So uh, with us is Bruce Burroughs. Mr. Burroughs is the president and CEO of the uh, Chamber of Marine Commerce, which is based in Ottawa. It's uh, binational. And uh, um, it's, uh, Mr. Burroughs, thanks for coming on. It's Canada and the U.S. that you, uh, that you represent, right? Yes, it is. Uh, thank you, and it's a pleasure to be on your show today. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. We spoke yesterday with uh, the CEO of a hedge fund, yeah. and, and they managed some $4.5 billion, and he expressed great concern about the situation with the global supply chain and didn't see the situation coming to a quick conclusion with so much uh, logistical challenge in front of us. What is your sense, first of all, just generically, what's your sense of the state the uh, the global supply chain is in? Well, that's a great question, and it, it has improved, I would say. Uh, that's probably the good news. The bad news may be that it's going to continue for some time. Um, and, you know, you have to remember transportation is a derived demand sport. We just facilitate the movement of goods when, when we're told to by our customers. And for years and years, we've been investing in efficiencies to squeeze out kinks and make supply chains smooth. Just in time, you know, it's a great example. And then suddenly COVID hits. And I remember last year in 2020, there were extreme periods of no demand for many goods. And then suddenly uh, there were big surges of demand. And, you know, that whole sort of approach to moving goods is so foreign to us now. And, uh, and added to that, on the consumer side, you know, governments have continued to pump an unprecedented amount of money into consumers' hands, and you know they can't go on holidays. So what are they going to do? They're going to go online, buy some garden furniture, put it on the outdoor deck, and and that's where they're going to spend their time. And and so it's really a perfect storm of supply chain disruption right now. Um, you know, ninety percent of goods are transported by ocean and inland seas. Most things, uh, right down to, to your underwear, uh, arrive uh, in part by ship. And seafarers, uh, getting to your point earlier, you know, are the ones who really make this happen. And, 
We have uh, some 1.5 million seafarers around the world uh, over the last year who have been working very, very hard, uh, long days. Um, and don't forget, they're, they're in a congregate setting, working for months and months at a time. Yeah. They don't have the luxury, you know, to, to get off a ship at the end of the day and yeah. head home and clock in at their pharmacy to get a vaccine. Right. Um, and, and in many cases, they've been not allowed off their ships when they've gone to port, right? When they've absolutely. Been, when they've ports have, have put a ban on them, some ports. Um, you know, we had as many as 400,000 around the world not able to, to, to get home. Uh, about half of that number, 200,000, are, are still at sea, so it's improved, but still quite a few not able to get home. Yeah. Uh, it really, uh, I think it really drives home how significantly important shipping is to the supply chain. When you tell us that of all the goods that are moved in the world, 90% of them will be on the ocean at some point. Yep. Exactly. No, it's, it's critically important. It's, um, I mean, the good news is it's, it's probably the, grass, the best green option, the best uh, GHD um, platform to move goods compared to the other modes. That's the good news. But the problem is that, you know, this demand supply problem we're, we're trying to manage now is, is really, really tough. Mm-hmm. And, and governments around the world have really dropped the ball, to be frank. Uh, they really don't have an appreciation of how interconnected the, the logistics chains are and, and how as you're... Well, that's scary. That's scary to hear. Yeah, it, it is. And, and to your point, how dependent we all are on, on, on a global marine workforce. Yeah, because we, we are, we're in fact counting on the people we elect who make promises to be able to resolve significant issues, and we've seen how well they've done that with the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, in many cases, they've just dropped the ball on that as well. But but here you are, you know, they tell us they will tell us that they'll they'll be able to manage the supply chain uh, crisis. I have no confidence in them. Now, having said that, I, I I do give a bit of a nod to our Canadian governments. They have been a bit better. Um, they have worked. You know, we worked very hard to make sure that that the marine sector was declared essential at the beginning of COVID. That took some time, and there, there was quite a lack of coordination between the federal government and the provincial governments in this regard, unfortunately. Um, but we finally did succeed, and uh, that was important for us because we move a lot of, we fly a lot of our crews, uh, just you know, uh, looking at the Canadian context. We have crews that live in Vancouver, that live in St. John's, Newfoundland, and we fly them into let's say, central Canada, where the, the core of the Canadian hometown fleet, you know, the ships that have the maple flying off the stern, that's where they tend to operate, I'll give you a domestic example. And it took some time, but, but we have had pretty good mobility now in Canada compared to the rest of the world. So we've worked hard with the airlines, the provincial governments, the federal government, and it's finally sort of working, but we're still having an issue getting vaccinated, unfortunately. Mr. Burrow is telling us 90% of goods, 90% of goods that, you know, that we all use, that we all see, they're on the ocean at some point or another. And some of the container ships are massive. Just think of that ship, that the, the Evergreen, that blocked the Suez Canal. It took days to get that thing to move so they could get it through the canal. That gave us, I think, a bit of a perspective, didn't it, Mr. Burroughs, on, on the, uh, just, the, the, just the giant nature of the, of, of the operation. When you look at a ship that size... And getting stuck in the Suez Canal, that said to me, wow, there's a lot. This is a major, major issue. It, it was quite extraordinary. I think a bit of a wake-up call for many Canadians when they 
saw that photograph flashed across the front pages of their uh, feed uh, or, or on their newspapers, and it's a bit like a uh, you know a major downtown office tower on its side floating in the water, and that's how big these things are, 15,000, 14,000 uh, 20-foot equivalent to units, we call them, so like a 20-foot box. So, yeah, these are monster ships, and uh, when as they sort of snake through canals like the Suez or the Panama, you know, there's not a lot of room to, to maneuver. Mm-hmm. Um, when we put our ship through uh, the canal system here in the St. Lawrence, uh, you know, they're typically uh, 78 feet wide with only a, a foot extra on either side. So wow. we're, we're really trying <laughs> to maximize the use of our waterways these days for, for good reason. Yeah, so anybody who's ever tried to park a rowboat knows how difficult that, exactly. that's, going, that's yeah. going to be. Let's talk a bit about it. Please tell us what the situation is, is in Canada and the United States. Mm-hmm. What's the situation in, in this country and the U.S. like? Um, and I would imagine they're vastly different as far as uh, ports, um, ocean ports, and Great Lake ports are concerned and moving goods is concerned. Sure. Well, I think um, uh, let's let's talk the international situation first, where, where sure. uh, you know some of the press coverage is being quite dire, and um, both from a price perspective and, and from a, a service perspective, you know, a box uh, coming from China to a typical West Coast port would normally take 40, 45 days uh, from from uh, origin to dest- final destination, and now it's taking seventy five days. You know, that's an extra month almost. In delivery time and you know we're still seeing production facilities continuing to face waves of COVID outbreaks in, in China for example and the Chinese are very swift to, to lock down their their plants uh, you know when there's a big outbreak of, of factory workers and so suddenly out of production is a whole large plant uh, they've had a number of energy disruptions because of gas costs and availability that are heating these plants and lighting these plants and the and so that's caused a rotating, you know, sort of system of shutdowns. That's not helping. Um, uh, and then on the pricing side, you know, you're seeing boxes that might have cost three, four thousand dollars per box to ship uh, over a long haul, now costing fifteen, twenty thousand per box. You know, five, eight hundred percent increase. Wow. Which, you know, it's definitely inflationary. Yeah, and that gets passed on. Eventually, gets passed on to the person at the end of the chain, the consumer. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, going back to my analogy of, uh, of deck chairs in the garden, you know, they unfortunately are, are uh, you know, low value, high volume, and so a higher container cost impacts those sorts of things in your house. Uh, on the other hand, it, it's not so um, significant when it comes to high value goods, you know, electronics, uh, iPhones, you know, you, you might not really see much of an increase there because you can sort of spread it out somewhat more. Well, where would you think, I don't know if you can answer this question or not, yep. but where would you think we should be looking for or where should we expect to find that there's a supply issue, a supply shortage? Well, I, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, things, uh, things such as um, electronics coming out of Asia. And, you know, we, we hear about chips, of course, that... Uh, are manufactured in, in various parts of Asia. Right. We've had a lot of plant shutdowns there. So, you know, if you want to go out and buy a car, um, if you're lucky to get the car, it may not come quite equipped to, to what the order spec was. <laughs> you know, my wife yeah. wanted a car in the spring, and it came with the wrong trim on it, but that's all they had. Now, um, I, just, I just found out that replacing a garage door, after you place the order, it's five months before they can do it. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I had a problem with my stove this year, and uh, you know the the electronic motherboard went off, and it took me two months to get a new one. So, so do you expect? Well, you you have the your finger on the pulse of this, Canada, United States, and you're a member, a board member of the International Chamber of Shipping, which it was the vehicle through which this letter to the UN was sent. Yeah. Uh, do you have a sense of an improving? situation with the supply chain or what are you what are you urging governments to do you're the experienced person they should listen to you well we're, what are you we're, urging them to do a few things can be done and, and some of them are being taken i think the the private sector can can get going and has has gotten going and, and is doing some more near shoring i just came back from a business trip down in the caribbean dominican republic i had an excellent tour of uh, of one of their new logistics hubs and they're sourcing materials in much closer to the DR and then creating a hub and, and pushing them out. So, you know, there's only 25% perhaps increase there in some of the container pricing and, and much quicker turnarounds because they're nearshoring. And particularly with medical supplies, medical equipment, um, electric equipment, some of the higher value goods, um, I think you're going to continue, continue to see some more nearshoring. I think, you know, using different routes, I mean, um, uh, you know, Canadian Tire and other companies, they're all getting quite creative to you know, lease a whole ship and and uh, and uh, sort of take matters into their own own hands. They're chartering ships increasingly. Um, the Great Lakes St. Moritz uh, sort of gateway and and system is a great alternative route. We have capacity. We're starting to move um, uh, sort of short sea uh, coastal shuttle trading with containers for the first time to help take some of the pressure off the the main uh, supply chains, and that's that's helping. Um, you know, so there is there is lots we can do. I think you know your point about seafarers. As I said, it has improved somewhat. We're down to maybe two hundred thousanders that are still. I hate the word to use stuck at sea, but but they are somewhat um, uh, restricted still. Um, and we're trying to push hard to get uh, vaccinations in place. I hired a just in a little example here in Ontario. I hired a firm under contract to um, bring nurses down to my ship when they're traveling through the lock system near Welland, Ontario, um, and, and to, to give uh, workers the job. But, you know, I ran into all sorts of bureaucratic nonsense with the provincial government, and I couldn't get the supply. Embarrassingly enough, a lot of our crews were being given the jabs on the return from U.S. ports because the U.S. had lots of vaccine, yeah. and they're quite willing to, to, to give it to us. So we, we still are, and it's getting a little bit better, um, you know, we do have uh, more and more vaccines available to international right. seafarers uh, with health teams in BC and Quebec, for example, and they are in those places. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.